0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santhi Esteban, and I'm your host for today. And we're here with Mark Duby, and we're going to talk about content. We might talk about AI. Who knows where it's going to go, but it's going to be a great conversation and one that will definitely be helpful and relevant to you. So Mark, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to it.
0: So in the most basic sense, if I were to try and explain it to somebody, I would say that I'm a content marketer. That usually prompts a few more questions because it's like, well, what does that mean? Or what do you do there? But you've been doing this much longer than I have. So I would love for you to take us back as far back in the journey that you think is relevant when this whole content thing started for you.
1: Absolutely. Sounds like just a nice way to say I'm old, but yes, I've been <laughs> doing this for a long time. And so, I worked for one of the best real estate companies on the face of the planet. The company's called Remax International, and I worked directly with the owners of Remax International. The people who started the franchise, and they were just brilliant business people. And so, I was in charge of going into locations in states or regions that were failing. And so they would sell a real estate franchise, a sub-franchise into a whole area. It could be the state of Arizona, it could be the state of anywhere, and perhaps get the wrong people involved. So I would go in. It was my job to painstakingly find good people to come into an area that had a bad reputation. One of the best tools that I found to be able to do that was something at that time they called the REMAX Times, and it was like a big newsletter. I, honestly, it was like a big, almost like a newspaper, but it was like a newsletter in that it would speak to both their existing brokers and franchisees, and it would also speak to their future ones. And so it did such a good job of highlighting successes and things that are great and innovative going on in the REMAX system. And what it did the best job for me, it made my job, I'm not going to say easy, but it made my job much better because it allowed people who were kind of skeptical about the thing in the first place to see all the great people and all of the great things that were going on behind the scenes. And so that's actually where the idea came for my company called Proven Systems Court, which we decided to go in and help. Companies with their corporate newsletters. And the newsletters just at the time, everybody's focused on new lead generation, right? And it still kind of is that way. Newsletters just were not sexy. But if you talk to any marketing consultant, they tell you that it's a great retention mechanism or retention or selling more to new existing clients. And then I knew the power of it bringing in people who are not involved. And so I just started that up in the B2B world, which was not really being done at that time. It was definitively content before content was cool and definitely on the bleeding edge of newsletters and also using email That's how we got started with a company called Proven Systems
0: Corp. So many ways I want to go here and I'm excited selfishly for this conversation. So I'm going to try and hold it together, Mark, and not fanboy out too much. One of the things that I have, really enjoyed about content is its ability to scale messaging. I talked about it a little bit, but I started in direct sales. So I would be driving around all over Southern California going into people's homes. And you know, there would be some times where I would spend three, four hours with one one person only to have that result in a no-sale. That's neither here nor there. What it really spawned was How do I become more efficient with my time? There's got to be a better way to sell than one-to-one. And content really, although I've not mastered it, I feel like I've gotten better at it and I've started to realize the value in utilizing and leveraging content to now take that, just like this podcast, you know, it might take 30 minutes for us to record, but it'll be listened for hours and hours and hours upon time over and over again by people all throughout time. So anyways, I would love for you to just talk about the power of content for people who probably listen to the show who they built their business kind of belly to belly, you know, shaking hands and networking or whatever it is. Do you try and help them to come over to the content side? Yeah,
1: absolutely. You actually just reminded me of something that happened right around the time where I was kind of starting this new business. Number one, I was a sales and marketing consultant. And there's a statistic out there in marketing. It's been around forever and it's probably still true. That is, it costs seven times more to get a new client than it does to retain your existing clients and customers. And, um, and also, it's a lot less expensive to sell more to your existing customers. That's really where the juice in most businesses are. And so if you're out there always chasing that new business and ignoring the business that already has come on with you, it's easy for them to forget. But the thing that happened to me way back when, and again, email, I mean, email was around, but it was—you know I was just starting to think about using it as a marketing tool. And it was starting to get popular. I wouldn't say I was on the cusp of it by any means, but certainly after using it for a while, realizing, hey, this is a great marketing tool. Why aren't we using it? But somehow I got some kind of a virus and it sent out, emails to all my old college buddies, all my old friends, people I hadn't talked to in years. And I started getting people pouring back to me. I just lost touch or whatever. And I'm like, wow, this one email, which I didn't even, it was an accident. I don't even really know what got sent out, but it was something that came from me out to this group of people that I hadn't talked to in a long time. And all of a sudden I have people pouring back in and I hadn't talked to. So I'm like, Hmm. So I kind of, combined to that concept with the power that I saw in that with the power of what I saw with the newsletters. And at that time, I mean, we were on the bleeding edge. We had people asking us, well, why do we need a email newsletter? You know, that website thing, that's a fad. That's probably going to fade away at some point, right? I'm like, no, no, that's not going anywhere. (laughs) And I had to convince them, well, we don't really have an email list. Do I get a newsletter first or do I get my list first? And so it's kind of like the common, the chicken or the egg, what comes first, the chicken or the egg problem. I'm like, well, you're certainly not going to get a list unless you have something to send to that list. So I convince people, even though they had either a small list or no list at all, that they need a product, something of value to be sending on a regular basis. And then people will ask to receive it or you'll send it to them and then you'll have something. But if you don't have anything, there's really no reason for somebody to sign up for your email list. That was the struggles early on.
0: Yeah. And so I'd imagine it's like a lot of people trying to convince people of AI today, but you're sitting there trying to warn people that the British are coming. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine that you weren't necessarily getting the response that you, and excitement <laughs> that you have. So would love for you to share, because I would imagine that there are a lot of people dealing with similar types of instances How do you deal with that discrepancy in not only enthusiasm, but probably genuine understanding? It's just like you're slamming your head trying to get these people to see it. What did you do?
1: Well, honestly, it really wasn't as much about them as it was about, you know, we were kind of on the bleeding edge of it all. We were pretty far ahead of people really thinking that way, but it was more of a function of me as a marketing consultant, trying to get them to communicate in any way with their customers and not ignoring their whole customer base and their leads that have come in and maybe didn't buy from them. Or just really the concept was just build a following in email and then start sending something of value out to them. I always just thought newsletters are a great avenue because really you could talk to Customers that maybe left you a long time ago and they forgot about you, you can talk to your existing customers and you can talk to prospective customers done right all in one marketing package. And that's why I love the newsletter thing so much. But I think the bigger thing was convincing them that there was value in really spending time, money and energy, not cold calling for new leads only, but to spend some of the marketing budget to really cultivate the newsletter and
0: the content. yeah, It's almost the exact same conversation we have with businesses about creating a podcast. And obviously I have self-interest in there, but I'm very of the mind that in several years, most businesses will have some sort of podcast in the same way that most businesses have some sort of social media presence because what you're talking about in the sense that it allows people to communicate to all of those stakeholders, whether it's their clients, prospects. You know, we've even working with some people to do internal podcasts where they're talking to their employees because people are people and especially in a remote work environment are looking for ways to connect. And in that same way where a dozen years ago, people were looking for stuff to read online in a similar way, I think that has evolved. So it's just really, really interesting how content has kind of remained that vehicle, if you will.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you. And I believe that the podcast is going in. It's taking the newsletter, blogs, all of those things to a whole new level, to a whole new level of understanding. Now more than ever before, you've got to let your clients see behind the scenes of what's going on. Back in the day of B2B marketing, it was very dry. It was very boring. And it was very surface about the company, maybe the technologies, whatever it was, and absolutely not acceptable anymore. And the other big shift that has happened, which I'm sure you're aware of, is in B2B, back a while ago, people wanted to talk to a salesperson like in the first, that's how you opened up a conversation with a new vendor is you call, you get sent to a salesperson, talk to a salesperson. That's in the first 20% of the sales cycle. And that's what people wanted. That's how everything worked. Or, you know, you travel to them, they travel to you. Now, people don't want to talk to you until they were almost sold that you're the right vendor for them. They want to read things. They want to look at reviews. They want to look at your LinkedIn. And they want to look at the people you have. They want to look at your website. They want to look at your content, everything. You don't even know you missed the sale if they don't buy from you. So you really have to do a much better job because they're not wanting to talk to a salesperson till the end or until they're highly interested as a business owner, marketing, professional executive marketing leader, you are really behind the curve. If you're trying to just make the sale from the beginning versus getting your content out there to make the sale very much going back to what you were just asking Hector, the power of sending to a lot of people or producing content one time using it over and over again and getting in front of a lot of eyeballs. Right now in today's day and age is much more.
0: Yeah, I was just talking with a founder yesterday who's thinking about starting their own podcast. And what's interesting is they've spent, I don't know how many tens of thousands of dollars on different types of content. And what was interesting is he still said, I can't attribute any client to any particular piece of content, yet I know that it helped, and I know that it contributed, but you couldn't connect the dots necessarily, or we couldn't check Google Analytics to see that someone saw this piece of content, and then whatever it may be. But on the other end, there's this direct response marketing, these internet marketer funnel people, and I very much could consider myself one of those people. So how do you merge those two worlds or which side of that fence do you stand on or or you know when it comes to branding or marketing or the guy that's like well I need to see an ROI on this how do you help them bridge that gap
1: yeah that's an amazingly insightful question actually mm-hmm. there's something called an invisible funnel it's something you can't see taste touch or feel but i think you have to be able to separate the two things okay so it's kind of like maybe talking apples and i don't know bananas if what you're doing is For cold, hard sales lead generation purposes, it's a telemarketer. You're sending out an email and you can look at specifically what comes back, what comes back, and you can attribute that. In the B2B world, there's a lot of things that happen between when somebody gets a lead and when the lead closes, right? There's a sales process there's an education process, there's multiple decision makers. You just got a whole lot more going on there in that kind of, call it a complex sale. Back in the day, you're right. There's a certain number of things that you could, direct mail is very measurable, direct email is very measurable, things like that. But that's not taking into account exactly what I just said about the invisible funnel where people are checking you out prior. That's all newish stuff. I mean, that's after there's an internet and that's after there's blogs and content and that people don't want to talk to salespeople. So that is something that has come in since the shift of where only you had a salesperson to get your information to, oh, hell, I don't really even want to talk to a salesperson if I don't have to. And you lost the sale beforehand. That's an invisible loss you may never know about either. You can't calculate that either. And so there is one of those things you just have to realize that there's an invisible force that goes on with or without you that you have to understand and make sure that you're taken care of. Not measurable.
0: Yeah. Mark, this has been a fantastic conversation and we're going to pause really quickly for a quick break. But when we get back, what I think is really exciting is we're on the cusp and I got my first sales job in 09 and the internet was just, it had just happened. And the shift that you talked about from needing a salesperson, right? Before then, before the internet, everybody needed a salesperson. Right around that time, the internet came about and people started to realize that they can go online and research and they can get all these answers. Now I think that we've even evolved past that where there's so many answers that are coming at us. We're getting thrown solutions to problems that we didn't even know that we had. We just scroll our Instagram feed. There's five or six different products that We didn't even know that we thought we needed. And my wife says, all of a sudden, now we need that. (laughs) because." And to to nuance this time a little bit more, we now have this AI thing, which has changed the whole content game on its head. So we're going to talk about this next phase of content, but we got to take a quick break to pay the bills. And so we're going to do that right when we get back. Hey, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast and content production company. Well, we like to think of ourselves as genius makers or creators, because if you're listening to this, you probably have a passion, a purpose, a mission, a message, something that you want to get out into the world. But if you're like most people, you don't have the time, the tech skills, or the team to be able to do it. And so if you want some support with that, go to amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com. You can also check the show notes for info. And with that, let's get back to today's episode. So Mark, we talked about this new... Age, new shift. And I feel like we're constantly in a new age. Things are constantly changing at a rapid pace. Yeah, things move fast now. And definitely with content. And I know that this is your world. So I would love for you to just kind of share with the listeners where your head's at, what your perspective is on where things are, and if there's something that's worth paying attention to for businesses who want to really leverage and utilize content to grow their business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The backstory is we since took the email newsletter concept and we've written. And produced hundreds and hundreds of email newsletters for all sizes of corporations, big and small. We have written probably over 100,000 articles, B2B, not mechanically written, actually written written by people. And we have gone into blogging in the blog business as well as we do a heck of a lot of social media content right now, mainly on LinkedIn because most of our clients' target audiences are on LinkedIn. And my point to all that, after being a 22-plus-year content veteran, the content that we were doing before and content now is not going to keep working into the future. Matter of fact, if you continue with a certain type of content, it could be the death nail in your company. In the blogs, in the content writing, content just to fill a piece of paper and just to say you have content, that was a big thing. You were like way ahead of the pack if you just had any kind of content, just to get something on the paper is good for SEO, is good for your customers. They were at least seeing you. They're saying, oh, yeah, okay, these guys are putting out content. That's great. All right. Well, along the way, something shifted and shifted big. There's a lot of very cheap inexpensive ways to get content done, content farms, content from out of the country. And now you have AI, which promises free content and quick content, and there's no investment to be made. You have to be really, really careful of all the hype around AI. And there's a big reason for that. So number one, I mean, AI admits themselves that it's inaccurate. (laughs) A lot of it's inaccurate. Nobody knows where the source is coming from. Like when you call up ai to send you something you don't know where it came from and besides that you could be plagiarizing somebody else's information now i think it's a conglomeration of a lot of information but that's that's only the beginning of the problem with you as a business leader and a marketing leader relying on ai to get your content done that kind of content just doesn't work anymore it just fills your web page or your email with words now You're saying, okay, well, if that's not working anymore, well, what do I do? Because we've gone from just not having content to having content is cool, to having content is great, to having content is needed. (laughs) Now it's like kind of meaningless. If it's not content, what I'm going to call social proof content. Okay, so this is content that AI cannot produce. This is content that you can't go to a cheap content farm to get. This is content that you just can't hire some writer that doesn't know your industry to write about. This is content that has to come from your point of view as a company, your thought leadership, things like written or videoed endorsements, client testimonials, your clients telling people why their interaction with you is great. It should be clients' success stories. And articles about your solutions and articles about how your customers and clients have had success with your solutions. And if you really think about it, Hector, you can't hire AI to do that. You just can't do it. And so, if you're in the content business, whether you're a content marketer or whether you are a company and you're the person, the lucky person responsible for producing content in your company, you have to bring your company around to be like, oh, yeah, there's all that cheap stuff out there. That's not going to get us where we're going to go. As a matter of fact, it's going to make us look bad. It's going to make us look bad. And you're missing huge opportunities about telling your story. Go ahead, Victor.
0: Well, you're giving me so much to think about here, Mark. I'm almost fearful, but for the businesses that are just waking up and they maybe woke up a year or two during the pandemic and they realized it, and now they're going to start putting out content to put out content. And they're going to see this cool AI tool that writes all your social posts. And when you see that, I was talking to a SaaS founder yesterday and I was like, I don't know the word to describe something that looks like an AI wrote it. But whatever that word is, I needed that adjective, right? Because I was saying that something looked to AI written and that has a look and then that look has an association to the brand. And so there's going to be a lot of brands that end up Like you said, ruining that relationship and connection with the prospect or their customer or their community or whatever it is. Yeah.
1: Even if we go back to that statistic where 80% of the people that want, you know, your job is missed. It never gets into the sales funnel. If people are reading your stuff or not reading your stuff or they're reading it, they're like, eh, this is meaningless to me. And so you really could be hurting yourself moving into the future if you're relying on cheap content. And I'm not saying that because I'm in the content business. I'm saying that as content producers ourselves, we had to make a shift. We are leading the charge and have to make a shift with our clients and educating our clients. That type of content can really hurt you. It's really the social proof content, stuff that AI can't do. Honestly, we can't even write content in a vacuum without talking to our clients. Our clients are our subject matter experts. We have to talk to either a subject matter expert, one of their customers, one of their clients. And literally, it's painstaking work, but it's the work that's valuable in this industry anymore versus just anybody can type up a bunch of words on a piece of paper.
0: Yeah, this has been such a good conversation. Again, selfishly, I know that our listeners are getting the ten out of here. Mark, where can people go to find out more, get deeper in your world, connect with you online? Well, yeah, it's
1: provencontent.com. So it's the word proven and the word content, and it's .com. Anybody can email me. A question if they have any questions about any of it. And that's just my name, M-A-R-C, Mark at provencontent.com And so your audience is absolutely welcome to reach out and ask me any questions.
0: Cool. My last question, which I think would be a good one to throw in here, in your opinion, Mark, what is the secret or the key to scaling a business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's several keys to scaling a business. And the first one has to be that ultimately you should not engage in a business that you do yourself. What happens with a typical business owner, let's say you're for practical purposes, you're an auto mechanic. Well, when you go to a business and you're just dealing with the mechanic and he owns the business, you're trying to get all of them, he's under the car. You're trying to get an estimate, he's under the car. It's really hard to do the work of the business and also grow and scale that business. I'm not saying there's not some advantages to really knowing that business, but you kind of have to forget what you know about fixing cars and learn a whole new set of skills, and that's sometimes very very hard for people to do.
0: Yeah. That's a really great point. Yeah, it's a whole new skill set. So
1: I remember there was a point in my business, you know, I was like, okay, do I stop doing this and start doing this? Because you you just never really know where that point is. And so The time to start scaling your business is really before you start it. And that is the model, the business model that you're creating has to be well thought out enough to know how it's going to scale. And I'm not saying you need some big, massive, intensive marketing or uh, business plan or something, but you can draw it out on a sheet of paper, what you're going to be doing, what you're not going to be doing. And so just realize that if you are literally doing the work of the business, you have yourself a job now if you want to really be an entrepreneur or a business owner you got to be able to step outside of that box and start looking at how you grow the business and get things done through other
0: people so
1: i hope that was helpful and i hope that answered your question
0: yeah absolutely thank you all for sticking with us today appreciate you being here if you guys got some value out of today we would love and appreciate a rating a review wherever you get your podcasts if you know someone who is in the midst of scaling their business or is thinking about starting one, send them this episode and go and get connected with Mark and would love for you to take action on something and let him know how it goes, share your successes. But thanks as always for being a part of the How to Scale Business Tribe. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.